Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Will Nettleton, pastor of Outreach here at LMPC, and I'm excited to be your guest host for this Pillar and Ground Connections episode. Uh, In our Connections episode, we are seeking to increase our connection to one another as we stand together in community and mission. And we are really excited to be joined today by David and Awen Stoddard. Uh, They are some of our missions partners, uh, longtime missions partners of LMPC, serving in Berlin, Germany with Mission to the World. And I'll let them uh, get into all the good things that they are doing here in just a minute. But thank you all for joining us. Thanks for being with us. David, will you tell us a little bit, I know your position has changed some over the years, will you tell us exactly what y'all do for MTW at this point? I'll answer what I do, okay, great. and then I'll, and maybe Awen can answer what, what we do, but my role has changed as of uh, 2017. I serve now as the international, the MTW, that's the Mission to the World International Director uh, for Europe. So, I mean, MTW, I'm sure many uh, church members are familiar with, is the uh, mission of the world. It's the sending agency of the Presbyterian Church in America. So that, what you know, to succinctly put what that involves, that that involves thinking through strategy. Uh, where do we want to plant? Uh, when do we want to plant? What resources are needed to plant? Uh, with whom? What sort of partners? Uh, so thinking strategy, thinking about partnership, thinking about... Uh, care for missionaries. Mm. So all that, so anything involving that in Europe, I get to to oversee a great team. I don't do it, uh, but I oversee a great team that does that. That's awesome. And what about you, Awen? What's your role at this point look like? Um, well, for many years, uh, since 2001, we've been involved in church planting, primarily in the eastern part of Berlin. So we did that for about 10 years. And then in 2015, the refugee crisis happened, mm-hmm. and that really shifted our ministry a lot. We didn't pick at that point uh, who was going to come, and mm-hmm. but um, yeah, we had so many people just knocking on the door of the church wanting to know about Jesus, who he is, and how can I become a believer? How can I follow him? So that launched us into a new phase of ministry with them and helping them understand the gospel and who Christ is and be discipled and integrated into the church and into the German culture at large. So that's been a large part of what I've done as well locally, as well as working with an organization, uh, a German organization, kind of like the Gospel Coalition, working with the women's ministry team there and doing some teaching, uh, speaking on women's issues in Germany. So Great. that's been part of what I've done. And y'all have children? We do. We have five five okay. children. Great. And they are, we were talking about this a little bit before we jumped on the podcast. Y'all, their ages are, the range from? Yeah, the range is 23 to 16. So almost empty nesters almost. On, on the verge of getting them out and on their own. And That's right. That's great. Um, well, I'd love for y'all just to talk a little bit about... Um, your connection to us as a church, but before we get into that, just sort of your your stories. Where are you from? And uh, the kind of the t ball question I like to ask is how'd you how'd you come to know Jesus? So, hmm. uh, David, you'll jump in with it. Uh, where are you from? How'd you get to where you are? How'd you come to know Jesus? Sure. And where I'm from? Well, I would say I'm from the South. Um, Chattanooga is very much a, a home uh, to me. My dad was a church planter for many years in, in Louisiana and then became the pastor of what was at that time the Reformed Presbyterian Church uh, up here on the mountain, right across from Covenant College. 
And so I grew up, I would say Chattanooga is about as close to a home as I have in the U.S., uh, but went to Chattanooga Christian, and this was the place where I was brought under care of the presbytery, licensed mm-hmm. here, and, and then eventually ordained in this presbytery. So our, uh, my personal roots and family roots go pretty deep uh, within within the area. And LMPC, my parents at one point were, com- were coming here, mm-hmm. and so we had lots of roots here in the congregation uh, as well. So that's a, a bit about my background. Yeah. Anyone, what about you? Well, I grew up uh, on the mission field in France. My folks were missionaries to France for 18 years. So I grew up in a Christian home, and I I just have to say that I've been blessed with Mm. not really knowing a day where I didn't know God or Mm. love the Lord. My faith grew with me, is how I put it. Um, And I think in my teenage years, I I would say I was kind of like an underground Christian. Mm. I, I knew it was true but I was not very bold about speaking about it. Mm. Um, but the Lord, you know, in his humor, called mm-hmm. me into missions. That was, at the time, like the last thing I wanted to do <laughs> was be a missionary. I just thought it was so terribly embarrassing that my mom would <laughs> speak to the cashier at the grocery store about Jesus at the time, you know. Right. But now I look back on that and think, wow, she was amazing to do mm. that. Um, so, yeah, the Lord showed me my need of him and my desire also to make him known elsewhere. So my interest in mission started when I was about nine years old, even though I didn't know it. Yeah. Uh, the Lord gave me a desire to learn German. Oh, wow. Okay. And it kind of came out of the blue and I was learning it on my own and mm. practicing speaking it. And little did I know that God <laughs> would call us to Germany. So all of that was part of his plan. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, and how did you two meet? We met at Westminster uh, Seminary in California, so we're both studying there. Eowyn was a year to two or two years ahead of me, uh, but that's where we met. In, in 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 meeting and dating in a seminary campus is a bit like a fishbowl. Um, <laughs> it, it's a little difficult, but we navigate. Actually, we we got to know each other uh, better uh, in a more natural environment in the church. Oh, that's awesome! And did y'all tell what happened from there as far as the call to missions goes? You two meet and get married, and then. What yeah. happens? Well, we met, uh, at, I'll start this and maybe you can finish this. Anyway. We met at seminary and we were both um, just regretting, lamenting the fact that we were here two singles interested in missions and we were going to be going on the mission field single. Mm. And I think we probably both had an alternative agenda um, <laughs> with that uh, lament, <laughs> but we, uh, through the church, we got to know each other in, you know, in God's well, irony, um, the Lord had um, put on my heart Hispanic missions. So mm. I uh, spoke or was conversational in Spanish, and Awen was interested in going to Africa. So when we kind of looked at each other, it was like, mm, okay, where do we, where is the Lord sending us? Mm. Uh, and I think at that point, Awen was, her interest or connection was not as much with Latin or South America. Mine was not with Africa. And we both thought Asia, not really sensing a, a call there. So then we uh, turned our sights then to, to Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we rolled out a world map and threw a dart to see what <laughs> yeah. no, no, kidding. It was a compromise of <laughs> sorts. Let the Lord lead, yeah. No, but um, we did actually, we called uh, the missions director for Europe at the time and, and just flat out asked hmm. where where is a good fit for us. We, we didn't really know. We were interested in church planting and theological education and he basically directed us to two places. He said you could check out the Czech Republic and Berlin because mm. they're doing both of those things in combination. So we 
took a trip. We called it a vision trip, where we just went around and met with people. And to be honest, when we got to Berlin, we really didn't like it. Mm. it um, there was something about it that was just very dark and heavy, and we could feel it in the air almost. Mm. And we just felt, whoa, uh, this is this is heavy. And then we went to Prague, and it was beautiful, but we sent, had no sense of call there. Mm. Um and in that time, we were communicating back and forth with our families via email. We didn't have texts or WhatsApp back then. Um, and my dad wrote back this message, just really short one-liner. And he said, don't forget what Martin Luther said, go where the battle is raging, mm. period. That was it. But it was almost like that just triggered something in us to open our eyes up to to see that the place is dark because it's needy mm. and actually you should go where there's a need mm. not where it's easy so yeah that was our call into mission it's so non-romantic but it's amazing yeah. we've been there ever since and we have really felt like okay this is where god is calling us to fight mm. and so when y'all moved to berlin at that point was that to plant a church there what was the first role for y'all as you moved over? Well, we jokingly say that no one ends up doing what they think they're going to do when they go in the mission <laughs> field. Uh, and that was the case for us. Originally, uh, the idea was uh, that I would help with a training center for uh, for German pastors. Our, the issue or the challenge they, the team faced at that time in missions was you can't plant churches with, when you don't have leaders or pastors, and the leaders and pastors weren't to be found, so they were going to start a, a missionary Bible school or a, a school to train and then to send out pastors. We got an, probably an email a couple of weeks before we landed saying, uh, scrap that idea, it's not going to happen. What do you guys think about church planting? And being the young, naive missionaries um, <laughs> where there is a fine line between courage and naivety or stupidity, if you will, <laughs> we said, sure, we're, you know, we're, we're up for that. And so we landed, and that was the idea, is to, to help with, uh, to start a church plant in the former former East. And, and as Awen indicated, we, we ended up doing that for about 10 years, okay. uh, also helping with some theological education and then moving to chant church planting in the West. So had a variety of things we've ended up doing since the, the original idea of teaching at a, a Bible school. That's amazing. Yeah, so it just kind of changed as you got there. And it, that's right. That's awesome. And it's changed. It sounds like a couple of times since then. So in twenty, most recently in twenty seventeen, you've moved into you, David, have moved into this new role with MTW. What does it? What does that look like now for you to be the director of um, Europe? And as far as how y'all are, you were mentioning to me before we got on, staying engaged in your local context as well. Well, that was originally my my one condition uh, to to the senior team at that point, and Dr. Lloyd Kim was. I'm not interested in a position that just takes me completely out of local ministry. I think our heart is still very committed to the local church. We need the local church. Uh, we need the support. We need a place where we can use our gifts locally as well. And so I, I said, ideally, I would love to have at least a day or two a week uh, available for local ministry. And I still remember him looking at me going, he said, well, that's fine. And, and I thought back on that. I said, what he's basically saying is if I can cram a full-time job into three other days, he's fine with me using the other two days however I want. Mm. Uh, but joking aside, I think that that commitment is, is proven to be wise. Uh, the more that you get involved in some of the spectacular things the Holy Spirit's doing in Europe, you still realize you need to be locally connected and committed. That's great. And as far as your oversight of the of Europe, what does that look like on a on a week to week kind of month to month basis? Well, my focus is mainly 
with the leadership team. So we have region, we have, we've divided for our purposes uh, Europe into five regions, and we have five regional directors. So it's me making sure that they're cared for. Uh, they have a strategy for, you know, a, for development, that recruiting, that we're, we're really following up on uh, recruiting or mobilization requests. So that's really where my main focus is. There's an aspect of just dealing, problem solving. As you can imagine, missionaries are not sinless, um, mm-hmm. and they're not in sinless context. And so sometimes you have to step in and begin to sort out uh, some of the issues. And then also making sure that every one of our missionaries is cared for well, mm-hmm. that they understand where they can go when they're struggling with depression or struggling with mm-hmm. um, you know other issues you face on the mission field. So it's you know a, a combination of leadership setting strategy, vision, direction, but also developing our personnel, our leaders, and our, you know, all our missionaries, and then care. And travel. And he gets tra- to travel quite a bit, <laughs> well, too. Travel to yeah. yeah, that's the fun part. I mean, it's really the fun part of yeah. my job is to be able to travel around Europe and see what the Holy Spirit's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I just get a, a unique, what I feel is a unique perspective uh, from country to country in uh, seeing what some really gifted men and women are doing throughout the continent to see what amazing partners that we have, the privilege we get to work with um, with some of these churches, and uh, and to hear their stories, to hear what the the, the Holy Spirit's doing. I, I'm often um, even this morning we were we were at a church speaking and somebody said, "Yeah, Europe's such a dark continent," mm. and I'm thinking, "Yeah, but the amazing privilege I have is to begin to see where light shining through mm. that darkness." Mm. So it is. Uh, it's. I really love what I do. Mm, that's amazing. And hey, when you were mentioning earlier about as refugees began to flow into Berlin in greater numbers in 2015, y'all, that was a big part of y'all's ministry. Is that still an aspect of what y'all are doing at this point? What does that look like today? Yeah, it is. I mean, it certainly has shifted. Initially, there were a lot of practical needs, you know, housing and navigating the German system to try to get mm. kids in school and this sort of thing. My focus was primarily spiritual care yeah. for them and making sure that they really understood what Christianity was about and then discipling them in that faith. So we did a lot of Bible studies. We just went through books of the Bible, studied the Bible with them, um, and tried to help them apply it to their day-to-day life. Uh, and some of that was a challenge because they came from backgrounds that were quite antithetical to Christianity or had different morals, you know. So what was encouraging was to see them kind of grasp onto certain mm-hmm. ideas and really start living them out in practice, whether that was doing a time of family worship in their home together around the table with their kids, or in a conflict in the refugee home, turning the other cheek when someone quite literally struck their Mm. cheek. And one of the guys said, I finally understood what that meant for me to turn the other cheek. Mm. Uh, So things like that, uh, staying in touch, and sometimes helping them out if they need official help, you know, um, references for their appointments with the German government. Um, So it's been more, it's shifted from evangelism to walking with them Mm. and discipleship. And it's it's been really great. It's had its challenges as well, I'd say. People coming and going or or people leaving once they realize they're not getting what they want, you know, if they're asking for more than what we can give them. Mm So we try to be pretty upfront about what we can and cannot do for them, mm. and that our focus is more their soul care. Mm. And uh, the German government is pretty good at 
providing their physical needs, but okay. where the church comes in is really befriending them and helping them fit in. That's awesome. And while y'all have been doing all of that, you've also been raising five children on the mission field. What has it been like to to go through that whole process uh, and having, you know, grown up in different contexts to raise your children there in Berlin? Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think that the challenge has been the kids being in a church plant usually means our our children are the youth group. <laughs> And so they're, they're not, they don't have a strong, uh, vibrant youth group that they're usually a part of. So school is, uh, is the place where they're building relationships and where they're hearing a lot of input about you know, what, what, you know, what values are important. And so I think it, it has been a challenge. Our kids have been a mm. part of a public school for most of their schooling. And we feel um, it's an opportunity for us to help process life because, as, as I mean, we have seen kids today are so globally connected that mm-hmm. they're overwhelmed with the amount of information that we have, which has all kinds of consequences. Uh, and as parents, our role is to help filter some of that information. So I think it's for us, we're trying to listen carefully to what are you hearing at school? What are you hearing mm-hmm. from your friends? Uh, and then how do we help you process the good, but also uh, the things that really just lead to death, lead to mm-hmm. a, you know, a destruction of sort sorts and in in order that we can begin to tell them a different story a, di- a story that they're not hearing uh, from from teachers from mm. from friends so i would say that's been one of our challenges uh, biggest challenges amidst all the other ministry going on yeah what about th- encouraging things about raising is there something that you look back and think oh this was actually really a gift to be able to raise our kids in this context yeah i think certainly they have a Yeah, just a more experience Mm. of more situations, more global situations, more awareness for certain of the problems and issues. Uh, You know, seeing and knowing some of these refugee folks, for example, or just Mm. from afar watching what what we're doing. Um, So, and also, I think they become very independent. Mm. You know, in Europe, you can just hop on the bus or the tram or the underground, just navigate yourself around and that sort of thing. So. In that way, I think they're quite quite independent, and they've been exposed to a lot of different ideas already. Mm. Um, and so that's a plus and a challenge, obviously, yeah. right? To know how to deal with that. But um, yeah, I think they are quite globally minded in that sense. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and I would imagine too. I mean, the, having undergone those challenges, I mean, that faith has been tested. You know, to to come out on the other side of that, believing in Jesus is. Uh, that it's been strengthened by by some of those challenges, so that's significant. Uh, what about the obviously the crisis in Ukraine has been going on uh, for some time as as we're speaking now. How can you give us an update on what y'all are seeing where you are uh, and in your specific roles? Well, it's hard to understate the um, the way that the the, the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. is is changing Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as of February twenty fourth, certainly our attention was directed. Uh, to those in Ukraine who are being displaced. But it also uh, brought to our attention those, and, and I should start by saying the trauma that so many of those displaced missionaries as well as displaced families and friends uh, experienced. But as they poured into other countries, then suddenly you have those dealing firsthand with uh, with traumatized people, and they become traumatized. So I think that's affected both our missionaries in Ukraine as well as all those who have been helping uh, in particular in bordering countries. But I think uh, another you know, 
group that's been affected is those who are in Russia. If you can imagine, many of them have, most uh, all of our missionaries have left, left Russia, mm. but they go to find themselves unwelcomed uh, in the rest of Europe. So there's a mm. level of guilt, shame, in addition to being displaced. Mm. So I think our response in, in Europe has been, one, what's the immediate humanitarian needs? And so we uh, we actually started a project at Mission to the World, enabling churches to then give to the immediate humanitarian needs. And in God's grace, the you know the church has has raised over seven million wow. towards that. So the um, the other project, which I know you uh, you as a church are participating in, is the crates for Ukraine. That's a, another way to to give hands on by packing crates, as you know, and then bringing them over, and then helping actually with the delivery of them to the places where they need to go. So our a lot of our response has been trying to bring those who want to leave Ukraine, find them safe homes, uh, places to be cared for in in Europe, predominantly in Europe as well as bringing humanitarian aid back to Ukraine where it's where it's most needed. Hmm. So it's been I think it's strengthened our relationship with the the church the Presbyterian church in Ukraine. I think it's been a part of a global answer to uh, to Ukraine where a lot of that work has been done by the church. That's not reported in the media. Hmm. But when you actually look at what's happening on the ground, it's the churches who have stepped up and provided care like you wouldn't believe, very sacrificial mm-hmm. uh, types of care, and have the longest-term perspective of how to bring, um, how, to, how to help rebuild, uh, in particular, the church, but also the infrastructure of the country. Wow, that's amazing. Um, y'all have been uh, longtime partners of LNPC. Y'all have been here many times over many, many years, and so I know you know our people uh, love to pray. And I know that they would be upset if I did not ask, how can we pray? What, what Are there pressing things that um, you guys would love us to be praying for for you and, and for your family? So, um, yeah, I mean, for us, you can pray for our kids, as we have mentioned before. Growing up in Europe has joys and challenges, and they're all young adults. So they are thinking through issues of their future, where should they study, issues of faith. They have some questions. They have doubts. Um, so you can be praying for them, mm. that the Lord would lead them, and all, that all of these challenges would become part of their story, part of their testimony. That's what we would love to see, that they would look back on their childhood and say, okay, it wasn't all easy, but God used that to reveal himself to me. And uh, and also their sense of call in life, you know how it is when you're early 20s trying to figure that out. Mm. So I would say for the kids, and then for David and me, for our marriage, as we look at being empty nesters soon <laughs> that yeah we would experience a sense of unity and calling together for the next stage we're not exactly sure what that will all entail but that we would be united and pursuing the lord together mm, yeah. yeah and i would just echo that i think that one of the biggest questions we have in front of us is where what's the next church plant that we can help with locally okay and i think that's uh, something we're going to be looking at more carefully over the next year okay I would say you could pray for Ao, and she didn't mention this, but she's finishing up a doctorate of ministry. Oh, wow! And so she's done with the courses and now just the writing uh, phase. But how can that best be used in Europe? How can that be uh, best used for uh, for the church? I think her her topic on the biblical theology of womanhood mm. uh, is is very needed, yeah. and her voice will be uh, is is very needed in Europe in the European Church. So how can her voice be best heard? Uh, is is another prayer request? I think for me, 
just as a leader, and that the Lord would give me wisdom, discernment, and humility uh, in all that I do. Where does the Lord want us to go as a missions community? Mm. Uh, how can we best use His resources so that uh, churches are planted that bring Him honor and glory? Well, David Awen, thank you all so much for carving out some time uh, to do this. It's so great for us to be able to grow in our understanding of what God's doing in Europe and uh, to be able to grow deeper in our connections with you. So thank you all for for being here with us. Thanks Thanks for for having us. us. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of Pillar and Ground. We hope you will join us for another episode again soon.